On this edition of the Iowa Business Report. When you're budgeting, really look at what you're spending your money on. Wants versus needs is a big hot topic right now. Providing financial literacy information to women is the goal of a program within the Iowa Insurance Division. We'll have details. A lack of worker engagement costs U.S. businesses nearly $2 trillion every year. And in our business profile, we'll introduce you to the owner of a pair of long-term health care facilities in Iowa. This is the Iowa Business Report for the third weekend of February 2024. The Iowa Business Report is a copyrighted production of Totally Iowa Media, which is solely responsible for its content. For more, click on the radio programs button at totallyiowa.com. Here is Jeff Stein. Understanding money and finances can be complicated. The Iowa Insurance Division has compiled resources and information tailored for the needs of women in the SmartHer Money Program. Sonia Selmeyer is the Consumer Advocacy Officer at the Iowa Insurance Division. Smart Her Money is a program that we started several years ago to educate Iowa women about financial literacy. We did a survey and we found out that women wanted to be more involved with their finances, wanted more knowledge so then that they felt more confident and comfortable dealing with financial issues. One reason we enacted Smarter Money was because women tend to live longer than men um, and more apt to be in charge of their finances and they may be more apt to be single in their lifetime than men as well. So we really wanted to make sure that Iowa women knew about finances, knew where to find information about finances. We're all on a different journey on our finances. No two women are at the same spot, and what I might need may be different from what my neighbor might need. Now, obviously, there has been a gap in terms of knowledge and skill set, or else this wouldn't be necessary. Are the things that you talk about in the Smarter Money program, are they things that are specific to women Or are there things that would apply to anyone, but women need the information for the variety of reasons you already stated? Yeah, the information in Smarter Money is focused on women, but is relevant to anyone. We also have a program called Save for the number four later, and that is for anyone as well. The information on the Smarter Money website, there's videos of uh, Iowa women on there and specific information on there for women, but it's really for anyone. Or like I said, you can go to saveforlater.gov is our other program. SmartHer.Iowa.gov is the website for the SmartHer Money Program. What are the items that attract the most attention or get the most clicks or that you find that women seem to want to know the most about? I think a lot of women want to know about how to find a financial professional. That is a large item that we see get a lot of clicks on the website and how to check that they are licensed. We do license financial professionals here at the Iowa Insurance Division. So we encourage everyone before you work with a financial professional to double check with our office to make sure that person is licensed and that what they're selling you is licensed to be sold in Iowa. This has evolved over the course of time, money, investing, the financial planning, because we have so many more options than when some of us were younger. In the old days, and I'm going back a number of decades, the only way you could quote-unquote invest was to go see a financial professional, but now people can do this 
with a couple of keystrokes on the computer, has that made it more accessible or is it now that there are so many choices, it is even more confusing for someone who does not have a deep interest in the topic? I think it's a little bit of both. I think it depends on the person, actually. Some people might find it overwhelming and they don't know where to start. And so they might go talk to a financial professional. Another woman might also find it overwhelming and not know where to start, but maybe they start poking around on their computer at night and start trying to find, well, what is a good investment? How do I get started? I think it depends on the individual. And I think Smarter Money really caters to both of those. I'm really passionate about teaching women to start with their budget budget start there, look at their budget. Do you have money to invest? You don't want to invest anything that you can't and don't want to lose. And so I I think that's a good starting point. And Smarter Money has information on budgeting. It has information on investing, setting up an emergency fund, retirement accounts. It goes the complete gamut of what you would need to know to, as we like to say here at the Iowa Insurance Division, plan, earn, save in order to retire. That first part, plan, it seems to me that that is where people get tripped up. Either they don't have a good budget, they don't account for everything, which is, I trust, why you started with let's talk about having a budget. But do we find that there is a distinction among generations? In other words, the more senior of us have a greater or less need for this kind of assistance as opposed to younger folks? I think everyone has a need for it. Everything has evolved over time. One thing I try to make sure people understand is when you're budgeting, really look at what you're spending your money on. Wants versus needs is a big hot topic right now. With online shopping, that has really become a problem for some people. It doesn't matter your age. You might be shopping and buying things maybe you don't need. The other item I really like to stress is those all those subscription services. Do you really need all of those? You know, so I think it could be anyone any age, I do think maybe our older generations maybe are less apt to buy online or less apt to have all those subscription services. So maybe it's a little less of a worry for them, but I do think it's good advice for everyone. Sit down, like you said, look at your budget. What are you spending your money on? Maybe even take a week one week out of the year and say, I'm going to write down everything I spend my money on. Where can I cut back? And I think anyone could learn a lot from that. That really is an eye-opener, isn't it? And we Mm -hmm. have said that in other contexts, whether it's a day or a week, where you just simply document everything, whether it has to do with diet and exercise and your caloric intake, which I know is uh, an issue for a lot of people that they're surprised at what they actually are taking in as opposed to what they think they are. I assume it's the same thing here where people say, well, I'm not spending any money. I don't know uh, why I don't have any money left at the end of the month. This is a good way to figure out where the missing money went. Yes, definitely. I commonly equate dieting and exercise to finances. And it's the same kind of thing. There's a psychological factor behind both of them, right? You always have to start with a plan. Do you want to save more money? So sit down and make a plan. Look at your budget. Figure out what expenses you have coming up this year. Do you have a vacation coming up? Do you have a wedding you need to pay for? Plan how you're going to pay for that. Just like you would plan maybe your meals if you want to lose weight. It's the same thing. Why am I spending money or why am I overeating? Same thing. But that's no fun. And isn't that uh. part of the of the post-COVID world where 
We don't know what's going to happen. And so we're running up this huge amount of consumer debt as Americans. We're freer to uh, spend as opposed to save. Is that a mentality that maybe we're getting away from a little bit after that initial immediate gratification? I think so a little bit personally, but I also think with anything, there's a happy medium. I always know it's, yes, it's better for me to eat the apple rather than the Snickers, but occasionally I just got to have the Snickers. So there's a happy medium for anything and it applies to your diet or money. And it's just finding that sweet spot with your money, you know, making sure you're not incurring additional debt and that you've got an emergency fund, you know, in case the car breaks down, you've got an emergency fund to go to, to pay for those. And so that you're not sticking that on your credit card. There's just so many ways that I think looking at that budget and what am I spending my money on, you can go back and you can make those plans and set those goals and figure out how you're going to meet those goals. Now, you mentioned plan, save, and earn. The earn that you're talking about here is not earning the revenue. You're talking about having the money you have earn additional money, correct? That is very correct, yes. The only way you can really out pace inflation is to invest. Now, investing is not for everyone. That was one reason we started Smarter Money as well, is I wanted women to at least familiarize themselves with it. So when they did feel comfortable, if they did, then they would have a resource to go to. It's not for everyone. There is risk involved. But I think you do have to, in order, if you do want to have that money for retirement, it's something you need to at least consider. So Smarter Money has been around for a little while. Let's say that we connect in five years and the program continues to grow and develop as it has. What are you hoping you're able to point to as benchmarks or signposts to show progress or success? Success is a very hard thing to try to measure because the metrics can be all over the place. But how will you gauge that you're really making the difference you're hoping to make? Yeah, I think one way to measure our success in that is just how many people we have going to the website and looking at the different information is one way to measure that. We have free financial courses on there. They aren't locked down. I did not want people to have to have another password to remember. So they're not locked down, so we can't really gauge those. But um, you know what I would love to hear is if someone would call our office and say, hey, I took a class from your website and now I'm investing in the market. I love those feel-good stories and because that's what this is all about. It's educating Iowa women how to get control of their finances. And I think hearing those stories would be the best way. And then, you know, maybe we can get those out to other women and help motivate and encourage them. You know, one of the main reasons we started Smarter Money was just to empower Iowa women to take control of their own finances. Sonia Selmeyer, Consumer Advocacy Officer at the Iowa Insurance Division. We connected via Zoom on Tuesday, February 13th. You can learn more by going to smarther.iowa.gov. Still to come, engaging your workforce. And later, managing care. You're listening to the Iowa Business Report. The Iowa Soybean Association's Research Center for Farming Innovation is driven to deliver unbiased research and results to all our members. Our nationally recognized team of researchers' only incentive is to improve Iowa's soybean farmers' productivity, profitability, and sustainability. From farmer-led trials to the latest research results, our team can find the right unbiased opportunity to meet your farm's unique needs. All thanks to your soy checkoff investment. The Iowa Soybean Association proudly celebrates 60 years of moving our industry forward. 
Welcome back to the Iowa Business Report. I'm Jeff Stein. Gallup's most recent survey of U.S. employee engagement shows that workers continue to feel more detached from their employers, with less clear expectations, lower levels of satisfaction with their organization, and less connection to its mission or purpose than the workers felt four years ago. For calendar year 2023, only a third of us said we were engaged. That's down from a high of 40% in the summer of 2020. One bright note is that the number of actively disengaged workers has dropped a bit from 18% in 2022 to 16% last year. Active disengagement is what some call loud quitting. Those who were simply not engaged, so-called quiet quitting, that level reached 50% last year, meaning half of the nation's workers are not engaged with their jobs. Now that's important because not engaged or actively disengaged workers account for $1.9 trillion in lost productivity nationally every year. Gallup analysts found that meaningful conversations between managers and employees can help the situation. Gallup found that recognition and discussion about collaboration, goals, and priorities, as well as the employees' strengths, can help prevent employees from feeling disconnected from the organization. They note a manager having one meaningful conversation per week with each team member develops high-performance relationships more than any other leadership activity. Coming up, providing services in a changing market. You're listening to the Iowa Business Report. Hello, fellow Iowans. This is Michael Swanger, owner and publisher of Iowa History Journal. 2024 marks Iowa History Journal's 16th anniversary, and we have planned some amazing stories for the year that you won't want to miss and that you won't find in other magazines. Pick up our January-February issue on newsstands at Hy-Vee, Barnes & Noble, Walmart, Books A Million, and other outlets. Better yet, subscribe so that you don't miss an issue. Visit iowahistoryjournal.com and order today. Welcome back to the Iowa Business Report. I'm Jeff Stein. In this week's Business Profile segment, you'll meet Ryan Cohen, president of Ivy Healthcare Group, a fairly new company which operates two facilities within the state of Iowa. We're Ivy Healthcare Group. We've been around since 2019. We started off with one facility in North Carolina, and we grew to a larger amount, but now we've just sized down to four facilities, two in Iowa, one in North Carolina, and one in South Carolina. The two in Iowa, one is called Ivy at Davenport. It's located in the Quad Cities area, Davenport, Iowa. And the other facility is Silver Oak Nursing and Rehabilitation Center, located in Marion, Iowa, just outside Cedar Rapids. What is unique about those two Iowa facilities, either one as opposed to the other, or what niche do they fill in their respective markets? I think with these two facilities, niches that we're filling in these markets are often taking in the residents that might have higher acuity, more needs, whether that be residents with certain types of dementia, residents who require tracheostomy care, 
residents, even with behavioral concerns, we're able to really cater to a wide variety of residents that other facilities may not be able to. And one of the benefits that the facilities have given, especially since I've been doing my own interviews, Jeff, with residents, with family members, we've been able to identify that because of our facilities being in the local area and the acuity of residents that we're able to take, we can actually keep residents in their neighborhoods. They don't have to go as far as Iowa City to get care because they're able to come to, whether it's Ivy at Davenport or Silver Oak Nursing. I can go back decades ago with family examples, and it may not look like much on a map to say, well, we'll put grandma into this care facility 30 miles away. That doesn't seem like very far from home until you need to visit, until you want to check in on a regular basis, until you realize that 30 miles away might as well be 300 for the individual who no longer is near their comfort zone. So that's very important to be able to find good quality care within a proper geographic proximity. Yeah, and we're identifying those same things, too. I can drive from Iowa City to Davenport with no problem. But when you're talking about summer, it's great. The sun is out. It's easy. But when you talk about the snow, when you're talking about ice, when you're not even just weather, but if you're talking about having a full-time job, you know, it's not only the children of people that want to visit. A lot of our people are married. They have a spouse that has to come into the nursing home. So at certain ages, it's not easy to go and just drive across the state to Iowa City. And so that's one thing that I often talk to our staff about that even though we're a team that's changing and we've had different paths, we have to continue to be that care provider in the community because we are the ones that are able to care for these higher acuity patients. And we don't want to have to have people drive across the state, you know, whether it's an hour, because it makes it, it's more arduous to have to do that. You know, we have family members that come three days a week, four days a week, five days a week. You can't really do that when you are living in Marion and my loved one is across at uh, Rock Island or Moline. What was it about the two facilities in Iowa that led your company either to acquire them or when you were right-sizing to maintain them, to keep them as part of the company? When we were looking at buildings, we were just trying to just understand different states. We were trying to honestly just get into the business. It was one of my passions was to be able to be in the nursing home industry. I wanted to care for people. I wanted to be able to help people. I didn't know to the extent that I would be doing that, but I think that I've been blessed to be able to be in these shoes, big shoes, you know, to fill, to rerunning nursing homes, but we'll take the challenge on. The Iowa facilities that we had, it really was just, this was the opportunity that was presented to us. They were on the market. They were priced, you know, as a business owner, because this is a business talk show, we were able to acquire those properties. They were smaller nursing homes. Just because it's smaller doesn't mean that it comes with less challenges than 400 beds. It was just, it was what we were able to get into at that point. And that's one of the things that folks who avail themselves of the services of one of your businesses, they're looking for proper care. But the fact of the matter is, it is a business. You have to be able to make payroll. You have to be able to make a profit or else the facility is no longer viable. That's a challenge in and of itself, is it not, with regard to some of the payment mechanisms, in addition to individuals who may be self-pay. But there are a lot of challenges for someone who is running an operation like yours. That's true. Yeah. So one of the challenges that we find, and like I mentioned about the certain types of residents, oftentimes in nursing homes, really kind of the flow how it works is that a number of people might have private pay money, but they're not really looking to go to a nursing home. So they're starting at the assisted living care, which is usually a private pay. 
might be more bedazzled, right? It's, it is private pay. They charge these high numbers. And oftentimes we'll find that these people don't think that they're going to live as long as they do. So thank God they have and they're, they're having full lives and things are good. But unfortunately, things do happen. And so our team, will, and it's funny we're talking about this, our team is very experienced in getting Medicaid approvals. But what that looks like is we're saying is we're getting paid by the government. The money, the dollars that go out are there's a standard number. Iowa has been very generous in the last year. They've changed the whole Medicaid payment system. They've increased based on inflation. They've adjusted rates based on what we call cost reports. So the amount that we get is fixed. And we do often have to balance the budget with staffing and providing care. One thing that I spoke to the facility about today is that being a facility who cares for a lot of different types of people, we have to make sure that we balance out our budget with our staffing. So we just, we try to maintain what we call an appropriate staffing based on the acuity. You know, as a business owner, I'm sure other people on your podcast or show understand is that we have to look at all the factors. So can we take a resident who requires four people to assist them? We may not be able to do that type of thing. So we look at the global picture about that. We are blessed that Iowa has increased the rates. So because of that, we're hopeful that a new turn will take place financially for these businesses. And I know a lot of Iowa nursing home operators feel similarly. They've been pushing this with legislation for a while. Ryan Cohen, president of Ivy Healthcare Group, online at ivyhealthcaregroup.com. They operate facilities in Iowa in Davenport and Marion. We connected via Zoom on Tuesday, February 6th. And that brings us to the close of this week's program. We're back again next week at this same time. In the meantime, you can listen to all or part of today's program by going to totallyiowa.com and clicking on the radio programs link. That's where you'll find podcasts of full interviews with many of the folks you hear on this program. They're listed as IBR Extras and IBR Business Profiles. And we're also found on all the major podcast distributors, 18 now in all. Support for the Iowa Business Report comes from the Iowa Business Council, a nonpartisan nonprofit organization working to elevate Iowa's economy through leadership, research, and advocacy. Learn more and review the group's 2024 legislative priorities by going to iowabusinesscouncil.org. We welcome your comments. Send them by email to radio at totallyiowa.com. I'm Jeff Stein. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you have a prosperous week. The Iowa Business Report is a copyrighted production of Totally Iowa Media, which is solely responsible for its content. Click on the radio programs button at totallyiowa.com.